0: And uh, I want to say, well, once again, it shouldn't be much of a surprise to you by now that probably the pastor's message and my messages are going to bump elbows again tonight. But uh, anybody coming here to have church or you just want to come to attend church tonight? Hallelujah. If you have your Bible tonight, I want you to turn to Mark chapter 2, and I'm going to begin by reading verse 1 through 12 tonight. Now, before I begin reading, I want to note that it's always important to pay attention to every word in a scripture. That they're all significant, that they all have meaning, they signify things, they declare things, they explain things, they date things, they clarify things, etc., etc. So let's begin to dig into the word of the Lord tonight. In verse 1, it says, it begins by stating that this isn't the first time Jesus has been in Capernaum. Verse 1 begins by saying, and again, 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 and again. You've got to catch that point. He said, and again, making the point Jesus had been there before. And again, he entered to Capernaum after some days. He's pointing out there's been some space of time. Some days had passed since he'd been there. And it was heard that he was in the house. Somebody told somebody he was going to be back in the house again. The word was out on the streets. Then, verse 2, it says, immediately, say immediately. immediately. Many gathered together, so there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. When there's not even enough room to stand up by the door, that means that this house was packed out. And he preached the word to them. Then came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, in other words, they came determined to have a breakthrough and were willing to do whatever it took to get a breakthrough. Nowadays, too many folks come in here in the presence of God not expecting nothing. They let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning. In other words, they were questioning in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately, say immediately, when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned this within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you? Or to say, arise, take up your bed, and walk? But that you may know the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, And go to your house. Immediately, say immediately. He rose, took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. There it is right there, church. That's a word for somebody tonight. There should be hands going up all over this place right now, just trying to snatch that word and saying, That's my word. How many of you would love to leave here this night with that as your testimony? That tonight I saw Jesus do something I've never seen before in the church house. And you're speaking about what you experienced in this house tonight. Speaking of how you saw God move tonight. How many of you want to see God do something you've never seen him ever do before? Well, I don't know about you, but I'm ready to see God move in ways I've never seen him move before in this house. Jesus' presence was in that house then, and his presence is in this house now, so somebody tell me why it can't happen tonight. Come on, somebody. I don't know about you, but I want to be able to say, man, I've been in church for 24 years, and I ain't never seen nothing like that before. And if you're ready to see something you've never seen before, I want you to stand to your feet, Raise up your hands without doubting and begin to pray. Show me your glory, oh God. Come on, all this house, take a moment and begin to pray. Welcome his presence into this house. Pray, Lord, let me see what I've never seen before with my eyes. Pray, Jesus, have your way in this house. Have your way in my house. Have your way in the White House. Even have your way in the crack house tonight, Lord. Some of y'all need to be praying, God, just don't do it something I've never seen in this house, but do something also, God, I've never even seen in my own house. Hallelujah. Come on, church. Come on. Show us your glory, oh God. Let us see something, God, we've never seen before. Something we've never seen, like we've never seen before, God. Your presence is here, God. And we are in your presence and where your presence is, God, Lord, the miraculous can happen. Go ahead and give him praise before you're seated. This text is very clear. Jesus came to Capernaum again. If you want to understand the significance of him coming again to Capernaum, then we first must look at what happened when he came there the first time. To find out, we must go back to Mark chapter 1 now. In Mark chapter 1, we're told Jesus had gone to the region of Galilee. He was there to pick as a team of men who become his disciples. Upon doing so, he happens upon a man named Simon Peter. He agrees to follow Jesus. Then they left there and went to Capernaum. And on the Sabbath, Jesus went into the synagogue and he taught. Then the Bible tells us in Mark chapter 1, verse 29, that after Jesus had finished teaching in the synagogue on the Sabbath, that Simon Peter took Jesus to his house along with James and John. They would go to Peter's house for a meal, which is customary in that day and probably still customary to today after church. Upon arriving there, it's discovered that Peter's mother-in-law was weak and she was sick with a fever. Although it doesn't mention exactly what the illness was, we know it was accompanied by a high fever and made her very, very weak. Peter, upon noticing her her illness, made Jesus aware of it at once, and he leads her to her room. Simon truly loved his mother-in-law That's astonishing in itself. Now, a lot of men would do that for their mother-in-law. He leads Jesus into the room where she lay. And the Bible says, Jesus took her by the hand, and he lifted her up, and immediately her fever left her. And she began to serve them. And when the news of what Jesus did for Peter's mother in that house spread throughout the town, a deliverance revival broke out in that community that evening. Verse 32 says, At evening, when the sun had set, they brought to him all who were sick and those that were demon-possessed. There were those messed up people the pastor was preaching about today. And the whole city was gathered together at the door of this house. Then he healed many who were sick with various diseases. This all happened because Jesus was in this house. His presence was there. And all because of one person getting healed And the people told what happened in that house throughout their community. They had just saw a miracle. I'm concerned that we don't tell folks about what Jesus does in this house like they did back then. Because every time Jesus was in the house, it was noised abroad. Folks told folks. And I don't believe it was just church folks telling church folks. It was people going and telling their friends and their loved ones and their neighbors, perhaps even a stranger, That Jesus was in the house and that he could heal and he could deliver them. There's been some great things happening here, church. There are some great things still happening here in this house. And there's some greater things still to happen here in this house. And I believe if we'd noise it abroad, this house could be full. Every revival I've ever seen break out began the same way. Jesus' presence would touch some folks and they would tell others and it would spread like a wildfire. This was before there was even an internet. It was simply done by word of mouth. We must ask ourselves an honest question. How often do we tell folks about what he's doing now? I'm not just talking about telling other members of the church. I'm talking about telling folks in the community, friends, and neighbors, and employees, and even strangers and sinners. Comparing it to how much we share other stuff on Facebook, how does that compare to how much you share what Jesus does in here? When you have a victory, a breakthrough, a healing, an encounter with God, do you share it out there? When Jesus touches your brother Billy, do you share it? When six people gave their hearts to Jesus today, did you tell others? Did you post it on social media? When 26 people got baptized in one night, did you post it? Did you share that on social media? I love today seeing Amanda post that 11 people became members of this church because it will inspire, inspire others to become. If we let people know God is moving in the lives of people in this house, then that our family is growing. So often we go to great lengths to do things to encourage others to come to church through events and conferences and fellowships and programs. And we should all please do what we know to do. But do you know if we would tell them more about what Jesus is doing here, maybe we wouldn't have to work so hard at it. For the record, we got folks in here who have been healed by Jesus. For the record, we got folks in here who have been delivered by Jesus. For the record, we got folks in here who have been saved by Jesus. Amen? See, in Mark 1, just one woman got healed, and it was noised abroad, and as a result it, the whole town showed up at Peter's house that night. And revival broke out. Many were healed of their sicknesses and diseases. Even demon-possessed people were set free there. Sadly, sometimes all churches have got to talk about is their programs because they have no presence. They got Bible studies and sleepovers and fish fries and singings, but no presence. Therefore, they had to be very creative to entice someone to even come to church. When word of his presence alone should be enough to draw a crowd. But it's just as bad to have his presence, but we don't tell nobody. Telling folks the presence of God is in the house ought to cause them to want to come. Sadly, we only talk about church stuff to church folks. That's why we only have transfer growth and not new growth. Jesus knew how to get people to show up. He just started healing people. Their lives were all messed up, and he'd just touch them and heal them. And they would go and tell folks about Jesus, and the crowds would grow larger and larger and larger. Do you remember how zealous you were when you first experienced his presence? You told everybody about him and your experiences with him. You were so on fire with God that you would tell a stop sign about him. You would tell everyone that would listen and even those who didn't want to listen. Come see a man who knew everything about me. Who touched my eyes. I was blind, but now I see. Who healed my withered hand. Who healed my crippled legs. Who forgave me of everything I'd ever done. Who delivered me from drugs and alcohol. Who healed my mother-in-law. Who healed my children of a fever. Who healed my issue of blood I had for 12 years. Who healed my back issue I had for 18 years. Come on now. He still does those things, but ain't nobody talking. Where is that zeal? Now to tell everyone he's here in this house. Come and see this man I told you about. He didn't need a TV station or an internet to get the word out that he was in the house. Just word of mouth, people who saw something they had never seen before. Jesus' presence will attract folks who aren't even looking for him. The Bible says that after he left that house, he went to a few other places and preached. He even healed a leper. And then after a few days, he went back to Capernaum. Which brings us to Mark chapter 2 where we began. Mark 2 verse 1 says, again, he entered into Capernaum. He went back to the house that he had held Peter's mother-in-law in. He's in that house again. And upon here he's coming and the news spread of it, what that did was raise expectations of the people in that city because of what he did there in that house before. They believe that if he did it then he can do it again. That's why the house was so full you couldn't even get in. And that is exactly what Jesus did again when he came back into this house. And I've come to remind us once again. The first days in the first house were great. But the last days in this house are to be greater than the former house. He saved the best wine for the last. They had great revivals then. We should have even greater revivals now. For in the last days I shall pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Somehow we have bought into the lie. Don't nobody care about what's happening in here? Well, how are they ever going to know unless a messenger is sent? And I declare to you his presence is coming back to the houses he's been in before despite religious folks and the attacks of our enemy. Jesus is in this house again. Put that on your Facebook. Share that with all your friends, Christians and non-Christians. You want to know how we're going to have perpetual revival? When we begin to believe and tell folks what he did last week in this house, he'll do it again this week in this house because his presence is here. We must be telling folks all week long what he did in this house for you he can do for them. Tell them that there's bread back in the house. You know, to me, looking around at all these empty chairs looks like we ain't telling nobody nothing. And we have to be careful we don't get caught up in personalities of men, styles of preaching. And who's preaching? We'll tell everybody they need to come if somebody like is preaching. We won't tell nobody Jesus' presence is here regardless of who's preaching. Oh, brother, so-and-so is going to be here September 19. you got to come and hear him. He's so anointed, can I tell you, he's not anointed if the anointed one isn't here. Tell me who's getting more glory publicly. Be honest. The man or God's presence? The best days for the church are here, and we don't need a certain man. We simply need the presence of God to be back in this house. And God is coming back to some places he moved in before to move in again like never before. I believe we're going to begin to see things that we've never seen before in this house. Can I get anybody in here to believe this with me tonight? Then you better start bragging about what God's doing right now. You better start noising abroad. His presence is in this house because he will do it again. He will come back again. You know what? I'm glad he's not a one-time God. He only heals one time. He only delivers one time. He only gives a breakthrough one time. He only sends revival one time. He only sends an awakening one time. I'm so glad he's not a one-time God that what he did then, he'll do it again. How many believe Jesus' presence is in this house tonight? All right, then I'm going to challenge you. I want you to reach in your pocket or wherever it is, and I want you to pull out your cell phone. Now, don't you act like you ain't got your cell phone with you. Go ahead and get out of that purse. (laughs) She's on the run. She's losing. Now, I want you to take your cell phone. You'll probably never get this invitation again. I want you to go to your Facebook. If you ain't got it, that's okay. And when you get to your Facebook, click on your Facebook. And you know that place where you post that where it says what's on your mind? If you really believe Jesus is in the house, tonight, I want you to type this on your post. Jesus is in the house. And then I want you to post that. And you can tag as many friends as you want to. I want to light up Facebook right now for this hour. And I want you to tell that people that aren't here out there that Jesus is in this house. Come on, somebody. So go ahead, got your phone, type it in there, and then hit send. I'm going to give you just a second to do it. We've got to tell folks the presence of God is in this house. Let them know they could have been here tonight. And they miss Jesus' presence being in this house. And You can tag all the other 400 people when you get home. I don't want you to sit there tagging 400 of them when I'm preaching, Okay at least send it out one time and post it tonight. Let it hit Facebook. And let us tell the the community that Jesus is in this house. Hallelujah. We have to have his presence, and we have to make it known. When his presence shows up, we got to show up. If God done it before, he will come back and do it again in the same place he's done it before. I want to rebuke the lie that says the best days are over. There is so much more to be revealed by his presence. There's more of God that is hidden than has ever been revealed so far. We only have had a glimpse of things still to come. There's so much more promised. Revelations chapter 4 confirms this. It tells us there are angels that circle around the throne of God day and night before his presence. And they circle around crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was, speaking of the past, who is, speaking of the present, and who is to come, speaking of the more things to be revealed, declaring that there is no end to his glory. We have not even come close to seeing it at all. That's why we have a need for eternity. There is no end to time. We will spend eternity forever seeing more and more and more of his glory. He is the God who was and is and is yet to come. Somebody give him praise. Seasoned saints, I'll call you guys 50 and over. Let me encourage you tonight. Those of you who have gone... Through church, most of your life, you've had some phenomenal experiences in your lifetime with God back in the day. Who now sit and wonder, is it ever going to be like that again? Of course, the answer to that is no. But the good news is it's going to be better than it's ever been before. You didn't see all God had for you then, you ain't seen it all yet. There's still stuff you've never seen before. He's got so much more that you've never even seen yet. Get ready to see some new things. I want you to see something. I told you every word in Scripture is important. Let's look at another word specifically. It's found in Mark 2, verse 2, and it's found in verse 8, and it's found in verse 12 of our chapter. And the word is, I had you speak it, the word is immediately. It's used three times in this one story, Things were happening fast. I believe things in our time are going to happen more immediately than ever before. That things are going to start accelerating in the spirit world. Evil's done taking an early start of accelerating in this world. It's at an unparalleled pace faster than it ever seems before. Because Satan's well aware his time is almost up. Evil appears to be abounding in our world. But Jesus said, when sin doth abound, much more will my grace abound. In other words, my spirit will be greater than the enemy's spirit. You know, in John 16 and 70 he said he would send the comforter. He would send the comforter. He would send the Holy Spirit. But in Acts 2.17, he says, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit. I like that, which means Bountifully talking about a saturation of his spirit, and it will come quickly to combat the enemies. He said that when the enemies come in like a flood, I will raise up a standard against him. Without a doubt, in the spirit world, things are accelerating quickly. I don't know about you, but my spirit is full of anxiety. I'm part of that remnant that the pastor talked about today. Like so many others, I feel an urgency to prepare, I feel like I have this push in the middle of my back and it's saying, hurry up, get ready for something's fixing to happen like never before. Something I've never seen before is about to happen in this house. And I have more faith now than ever had before that something's about to happen. I believe we're sitting on the verge of a spiritual Breakthrough. I have an anticipation that's led to an expectation that's been driven by a revelation that I got that this is that. The hour is here. The promise is here. And the atmosphere is being prepared for his glory to be revealed in this house, in my house, in your house. And it's time for the redeemed to say so. I believe I'm going to see God do things my eyes have not seen and my ears have not heard what the Lord has prepared for us. No, he, 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 here's what I, I see happening. Malachi, come here. Malachi, come on. He's like, boy, what's my name? Come here, Malachi. Stand right here. Face this way. I, I need some strong men. Come on, Jimmy and Scooter and... Come on, Marine. Craig, come on. Stand right there for a moment. Here's Malachi trying to live in this present world, evil all around, abounding. He's trying to live for the Lord. And here's what happened. Go up and stand and facing Jimmy. Go over there, stand in front of him. Y'all are the enemy, by the way. The enemy shows up in Malachi's life. Come on, Craig. And then it gets even greater. Come on, Scooter. And Nick it gets even greater. And here's uh, Malachi standing up here. standing right there in front of him. And he's just surrounded by them. But you know what God's doing? To Malachi, he looks around. I'm done. I'm through. I don't know what I'm going to do. But here's what God's doing. He's raising up men like, Zach, come up here and stand with your boy. Okay, you, how many of y'all going to stand with your boy? Come on. How many of y'all going to stand with your boy? Helping face his enemies. Come on. God is quickly. Now, how many adults going to stand with these young folks? You got any adults over here going to stand with these? They got the enemy coming against them. God is quickly raising up an army. And what's happening here? In Malachi's life is what was happening in the servant, Elijah's servant's life when he looked out the window. And he said, Elijah, there's too many of them. The guy's surrounded. And Elijah said, Go look again. He looked a second time, this time through spiritual eyes. And he's seen, Malachi, look behind you. You got more for you than are against you, son. And God is raising up an army quickly to counter. This enemy, go ahead, guys, push them back. Run them on out of here. Push them on back. Take them back. You're done for. You guys might as well go have a seat. Might as well go on and have a seat, guys. Might as well see. That's what God is doing in this hour, in this day and time. The enemy may be up to his plans and up to trying to convince us. See, they, there's a small portion of our nation. They're really not that big. But with the help of the media, they make a mountain out of a molehill. And to make us think that everybody's against us. No, there ain't no more, there ain't no saved people left in the world. Evil's winning, evil's abounding. We might as well throw in a towel, we might as well be down. But I'm here to tell you what I just showed you is what's happening. God is raising up an army. There is more for us than that's ever been against us. Can somebody stand to your feet and give God some praise? You're not alone in this thing. Hallelujah. You're not alone in this thing. Hallelujah. I don't have to cower down. I don't have to back down to nothing. I can stand and I know that the God is with me and my family is with me. And this is what God's got to unite the church for. We got to have, did you notice the young and the old were together? we got to come together. we got to be united in this thing to stand against what's going on in our nation. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Oh, We're being deceived with our natural eyes. And we're not looking through our spiritual eyes. Hallelujah. You know, people always talk about, well, when things get bad enough, they're all going to come running back to the church. You know, there's some truth to that. For those who left the church, they knew the church, but don't even bank on that. What about those who never knew him? What about those who have never experienced him? What about them who have no idea what happens in church? What about those who've never been to church when things get so bad? And I also want to ask, where are they going to come to? Why would they come here if nobody isn't telling them they should? They got to have a good reason to come here. When times are the darkest, it's not going to be because of all the events and programs and fellowships we offer. The world's got all them things too for them. But what they ain't got, that we got, is Jesus, and he is the difference maker. They need his presence. They got to know him. Things are bad now, and the churches aren't full. For many, they are just turning to alcohol and drugs and gangs and sinful devices and lifestyles. They haven't heard nobody talking. The church is silent. And I say, lift up your voice, O daughter of Zion, for I'm coming to live among you. It's time to speak up, church. We got what they need. And if you as a Christian is not excited about your church, why would they ever be? It should be silver and gold, have we none, but such as we have, we give to you. We should give them Jesus, and we should lead them to Jesus, because things are accelerating fast. And God's about to wrap things up down here. And I got to say it, something's moving and something's changing. God is moving and the church is changing. I feel the spirit of God pushing me. I can't stop. I can't slow down. There's too much preparation to do before he comes back for the church. This should be the most exciting time for the church and we must cease this opportunity because God's fixing to relaunch the church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He's been shaping and he's been molding and putting us into a strategic position to be more powerful than we've ever been. Oh, Hear me, O rulers of this nation. You're fixing to hear the church roar like never before. The tribe of Judah is on the move. We're not going out a week in an anemic church. We're fixing to see things we've never seen before. We're fixing to see things start to immediately happen in his presence. Miracles and signs and wonders that will attract this nation to his presence. And the lowly of the lowest are going to have an opportunity to experience his presence. When he came back to Peter's house... He Peter, that he healed Peter's mother-in-law in, the people showed up. This time, they showed up not because of what he had done now, but they showed up because of what he, they'd heard he'd done before. Because they believed if he did it then, he can do it again. They had an expectation. An expectation is a breeding ground for miracles. The place was full simply because they heard he was there. And I have come to tell the church we need to make sure we are prepared for when the word gets out. That his presence is in the palace of praise. Miracles, signs, and wonders are taking place there. His glory has filled that house. When it does, this place will be full. And some of us better be willing to stand up. Willing to sit in an overflow room if necessary. Better be planning to be here more nights of the week than ever. Better be planning to sing more songs than ever. Better have more people willing to volunteer more than ever. When his glory comes, it will have weight. How many know his glory is weighty? That it comes with a cost? going to be weighty on this staff all the way down to this congregation. More will be asked of you and of you than ever. Now that makes some folks nervous. Some like it just how it is. We have no idea yet what the weight, the glory carries. But this we do know, to whom much is given, much is required. And I'm putting all of our leaders on notice, get ready. It's going to be here before you know it. And some of you are already like me, getting anxious. Because I want to tell you something, it's in the atmosphere. You feel the urgency. When the word gets out what Jesus is doing in this house, when Jesus went to the house again, all kinds of people showed up. Now, I want to mention there are three kinds of people who show up to church when he's in the house. Number one, the hurting show up. You all know this place serves as a spiritual hospital, don't you? When his presence is here, it attracts the broke and the busted and the disgusted, the wounded. Those who are wounded emotionally, those who have been wounded physically, and those who have been wounded spiritually. The weak and the lost, the battle-torn. The ship of Zion is not a cruise ship. It is a battleship. And the war-torn come here to see Jesus. His presence attracts the hurting. It's to be a refuge for the hurting and the lost. Uh, when I start talking about hurting them coming to the church, I often think about in Solomon's day. Solomon had the honor of building the temple for God. David should have, but it ended up being Solomon. And he builds his te- temple, and on the day of dedication, Solomon prays a prayer of dedication. And he begins to pray with his heart his desire for that temple. He begins to pray for the people of his nation and his community. And he says, oh, God, let this house be a house so people can come in and they can find forgiveness. Lord, if they sin, send them here. Lord, if they're hurt and bruised and bruised, send them here, God. Let them be able to come into this place, God, and kneel at these altars and, be, and find forgiveness, God. That God will turn their lives around like, whether they're sinners or whether they're saints, God, it doesn't matter. Just send them to this place, God. We've built this house for your glory, God. And chapter 7 says, immediately, as soon as he finished praying, the glory of the Lord filled that temple. You know what I believe happened? When God heard Solomon's heart for that temple and desire he had for how that temple should be used for the hurting, for the wounded, for the sinners, for those who had messed up, those who needed to be forgiven could come there and find refuge in this house. When God heard that, I believe that's when God said, I want to dwell there. If those people are going to be there, I've heard your heart, Solomon, and that's the places I want to dwell. It said the glory fell to to a degree that They could neither minister nor preach or nothing that day. I think it fell because of Solomon's heart for God's people. And second, the hungry come here. His presence attracts them. Now, I'm not talking about the naturally, physically hungry. I'm talking about the spiritually hungry folks show up. I'm talking about the God chasers, the ones who want to know more of him, the ones who want to experience his glory show up. I'm talking about the worshipers and the praisers. He's attracted to them. You know, God is attracted to certain kinds of people. Now, he loves us all, but there's two groups he specifically mentions in scriptures that he's attracted to. One is the lost. He's come to seek and save that which is lost. He's attracted to them. And two is the worshipers. He told the woman at the well the Father seeks them who worship Him in spirit and in truth. So if the church don't have hurting and lost people and hungry worshipers, His presence is not going to show up. Hurting lost people and hungry worshipers come to where Jesus' presence is. And so do the hypocrites. I just probably threw you a curve right there. Jesus' presence is like a magnet that draws hypocrites. Religious folks always show up to check him out and judge him. All throughout scripture, he dealt with them. You know, the church police shows up to critique and criticize a move of God. That music's not right. They don't dress properly. That's not of God. Well, I guess everything goes in here. Verse 6 tells us they were there. Jesus knows they're there. He reads their mind. They're sitting there. The Bible says reasoning. In other words, trying to figure this Jesus out. They say he can't say the things he's saying. The things he's doing is out of order to them. The things Jesus is saying don't line up with their religious teachings and their laws. They accused him of blasphemies. And Jesus confronts them. Why do you reason these things in your hearts, he asked them. In other words, why do you question these things that I do? You see, when Jesus shows up in the house, the hungry come in, the hurting come in, and the hypocrites come in. What I don't understand is some places rather have religious folks instead of hurting folks. You know, just them 24, no more. They'd rather not have any worship if people are going to start getting all worked up, shouting, clapping, and dancing. Be careful when you let religious folks build the church. It will be led by religious mindsets, and God's presence will never be there. In this text, the house is full when Jesus gets there. Expectations in the atmosphere. You see, the first time he went to this house, only Peter and a few other disciples and a few family members were there. There was plenty of room for everyone. But after he healed Peter's mother-in-law and word got out of town about it, the Bible says by that night, the whole town had showed up Peter's house and revival broke out. But this time, before he even gets to Peter's house, when word just simply gets out that he's coming, the house was so full you couldn't put another person in it. Why? Expectation was in the atmosphere Hallelujah. They believed what he did back then. He could do it again, and they wanted to be a part of it. You see, people had heard the many testimonies of people that Jesus had touched days earlier. You see, your testimony serves as an encouragement to others, giving them an expectation of what he did for you he can do for them. You know, we gather at these altars, and we still do to this day, And we lay hands on the hurting and the sick and the afflicted. And still to this day, God does miracles around these altars. Why did we do this? Because we know he has and can heal the brokenhearted, cause the blind to see, set the captives free because God has anointed him too. We do it by faith. We're instructed to lay hands on the sick. And then when we share what God has done for us in this house, it creates expectation in others. The atmosphere becomes charged with his presence. That day in Peter's house in Capernaum, the hungry were there. The hurting were there. The hypocrites were there because his presence was there and it attracted them. But Jesus simply tolerated the religious folks because he knew the hurting were on the way. He can't, we can't be stifled by the criticism of men. Then sure enough, a paralytic was carried to Peter's house by four men all the way from another town. Why? Because the word had done spread miles away. They had heard of what Jesus did for Peter's mother-in-law and the many others that day. And upon hearing it, these men believed that he could do it for their friend too. They believed it so much they were willing to carry him to Peter's house. And when they got there, they wouldn't let a full house stop them. They came determined to get this man to Jesus. Now, that's faith. So they cut a hole in the roof, and they lower him down into his presence. Now, I would have loved to have been there and seen the look on those religious folks' faces at this point. They must have thought, look at these fools. They ain't got no respect for this house. They're out of order. These people have done lost their mind. Let's just see how this man called Jesus deals with this. What they didn't know, Jesus already knew he was coming. He wasn't surprised at all. You see, when people really believe his presence is in this house, I don't care how full it gets in here. The hurting and the desperate are going to find a way to get in here, and we got to help them get here. Jesus is not upset with how they came. He's impressed with their faith. He looks at the paralytic man and says, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, that set the hypocrites off. They accused Jesus of blasphemy. Jesus read their mind. Verse 8, that's when Jesus looks at them and says, Why do you reason these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or you to say, Rise up and take your bed and walk. And verse 10 says, he says, So you may know the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, Rise, take up your bed and go to your house. And verse 12 says, And immediately, say immediately, he rose up, took his bed, went out in the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. And I have come to tell you Jesus has come for the hurting, the lost, the hungry, and the worshipers. And and there's not a religious spirit or a hypocrite in hell that can stop him from doing for what he was sent to do. He's going to do it whether it's in this house or the next house. All power is given to him in heaven and on earth. What he did then, he can still do today. There is no end to God's glory. Would my musicians go ahead and come, please? Hallelujah. Would you stand with me? During Jesus' ministry, Jesus performed more than 40 miracles, including healing the sick, changing the natural elements of nature, even raising people from the dead. This miracle took place on the Sabbath day, which is a holy day where people were not allowed to work, which included performing miracles. But after leaving the synagogue, Many of the men that were worshiping came with Jesus to Simon Peter's house and they were planning to eat together. In those days, the woman in the house typically prepared a meal for the men after a service. But the woman in this house, Simon Simon Peter's mother-in-law, was extremely ill. It doesn't say exactly what her illness was. The scripture says that she had a high fever, making the woman weak. And Jesus simply takes the woman's hands and he lifted her up. And the Bible says immediately the fever was gone. And there was no sign of the weakness that might be expected in a person who's been running a temperature. After Jesus rebuked the woman's fever, it left her, and she began to wait on her guest. What is also notable about this miracle was Jesus rebuked the fever. You know, we see the word rebuke on several occasions, including the miracle to end the storm of the Sea of Galilee, where he rebuked the wind and the waves. I believe it's time to rebuke the enemy And to cancel his assignments. And I believe as a church. We have a responsibility. To go to the highways. And the byways. And we need to tell people. Jesus is in this house. We need to share what Jesus does. In this house. And I believe tonight. Right at this moment. God's ready to lose his presence. In this house. I believe he's ready to touch the hurting. Like he did at Peter's house. And I believe he's ready to touch some people who are willing to testify to others of what he did in here. In this house night, there are people who need healing. Healing's of various conditions, spiritually, physically, even emotionally. And I declare to you, Jesus' presence is in this house again. To do it again, and again, and again, and when he does, you got to tell somebody. It was said in Luke 5 and 17 that the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Anytime you're in the presence of the Lord, he has a power to heal. Anytime he's in the house, you can be saved, delivered, transformed, healed. I'm going to ask those that usually come up and pray for people, if you'd come on up here for a moment and stand and face this congregation. Come on, Greg, Kathy, come on. Jesus' presence is in this place to do again what he's done before, and that's to heal people. I'm going to ask you tonight, if, you're need, if you need to be healed, if you've got a physical problem, a spiritual problem, an emotional problem, they're going to begin to worship, and I'm going to ask you, would you step out and come up here and let us pray for you? Because Jesus is here to heal. If you're ready to see something you've never seen before in your life or God do in your life, I invite you. Would you come let these people pray for you? You guys go ahead and begin to worship. You need to be healed. He's here.
1: Mountains are still being and strongholds are still being loosed God we believe it yes we can see that wonders are still what you do come on and bodies are still being raised
0: It's still doing it church and giants
1: are still being
0: slain and you could be the one
1: God we
0: that the whole town's yes, talking about tomorrow. It could be you.
1: Wonders still you do. Hallelujah. We are here for you. Come and to God what you do.
0: Oh, come on, put your hands together. Give God a big hand clap of praise. Come on. He's doing something in this place.